Good morning. Mr. Sawada said that. My name is, is Matt Sawada, one of the pastors here at LAFC. And again, uh, it's an honor. It's an honor to open God's word with you this morning. Uh, this morning, we're going to be in Mark chapter 12. That's where we're going to kick off our, our sermon today. And so I've got some ushers, some friends, who are, are coming down um, with these Bibles. If you forgot one, if you maybe don't have one, uh, just raise your hand. They'd love to, to hand this to you um, so you can follow along with where we are today. Again, we're kicking off in Mark chapter 12. We'll be in page 950 of this blue Bible this morning. Well, you know what we just did? Not, well, we know what the ushers just did, uh, but what we just did as we sang that song, how deep the Father's love for us. First of all, we proclaimed some really rich truth to each other, right? Sitting in some of the, the realities of that song is really encouraging. I would encourage you to, to sprinkle songs like that into the midst of Christmas music you might be listening to this week. But you know, while we sang those truths, we gave. We, the ushers came forward, we, we passed plates. They kind of went back and forth. I'm always amazed at how well they do that. They don't never, the plates never collide in the middle of an aisle. Good job, ushers. But what you did in that moment is you, you not only just gave to this local church, and then a lot happens with that, but in the way you gave back. So you've been blessed. And that was a really tangible way to respond to the blessings that you've been given. You know, LFC, you're, you're good at giving. I don't know if you, you check it. I, I love to look at this every week in my bulletin. Bottom left-hand corner. This week it's under Ruth and Terrence. My eyes see two different shades of green. I think that's a green. And then a red box. It's kind of the state of the union. This is, this is where we are financially. LFC, you're good at giving. Could you imagine if we did that a little differently, though? What if we lived in a culture that didn't have checks? What if we lived in a culture that didn't have paper currency? Could you imagine passing those plates? See, last week, LFC, you gave $39,619. Could you imagine the counting team counting those coins? $39,000 of quarters. They get an extra flower for Christmas, right? But imagine if, if we did tithing a little different and we would pass this plate and coins would get tossed into it. Or it wouldn't be as quiet as it was because, you know, Mike pulls out the handful of coin, drops it in. Matt pulls out his coin, <laughs> drops it in. You know, Bruce takes his handful. You see, tithing would be auditory. You'd actually hear it. And it would, it would not only would it, I'm throwing money everywhere, first of all, not only would it be really heavy, right, we couldn't pass that plate, but it would totally change an experience. 
You see, I think this is probably what it was like for the widow when she gave in Mark 12. You see, in Mark 12, what we have is Jesus sitting down with his disciples opposite the coffers, the temple treasury, and they're actually watching people give. I would imagine they're not just watching it. They're hearing it. And so imagine yourself sitting in a temple while this is going on. Open up to page 950 of the Blue Bible. We'll be in Mark 12. We'll be in verse 41 to start our sermon today. See, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched and probably listened to the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow threw in two small copper coins. These are called mites. If you're interested in seeing a mite, both Alex and Pastor Joel have mites in their office. So you can go check them out. I'm sure they'd love to, not not mice, (laughs) right? They have mite with a T, mites, these little coins in their office. So a poor widow came and put two very small copper coins, these mites, worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus says in verse 43, truly I tell you that this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. And these guys are probably just scratching their heads thinking, no, 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 I heard people do this. And she just did this. They're wondering, how does this even add up? Jesus continued, though, in 44, he says, Those rich people gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything. She put in all she had to live on. You see, this morning, as we read this, we realize there are several characters in this passage. We've got Jesus and his disciples, and they're, they're kind of taking it in. They're on the periphery in this moment watching the offering happen. You've got many rich people, many rich people. We don't know a lot about them other than that there are many of them, that they're people, and they're rich. They're wealthy. And then lastly, we've got this poor widow who probably is feeling a little ashamed Everyone else is making all this noise, and hers is only a little clink. I would imagine most of us, or many of us, approach giving or generosity pretty pretty, uh, similarly to the rich people in this passage. I bet our tendency is to give of our wealth and not necessarily all that we have. You see, this is a a much bigger conversation than just money. Giving and generosity is not just financial. This is not a financial sermon. This actually isn't even a financial series. When we talk about we are blessed to be ones who can bless others, that can happen in dozens of different ways. 
And so, I think the reality that we need to wrestle with this morning is that we as humans are not naturally generous. This isn't a quality that many of us are born with. Actually, I'd say it's, it's not a quality that any of us are probably born with. Generosity is something that is not part of our human nature. But this widow seemed to get it. You see, Jesus wasn't necessarily impressed with how much or what she gave. He was impressed with how she gave, with the attitude, with the heart behind the giving. See, there's an underlying message here. And the reality is, is that every one of us, through Christ, has been incredibly blessed. Now, we live in America, a free country, a lot of blessing in that. We, we live in America, which means we are wealthier than the, the major, than a, than a large majority of the rest of the world. Those are blessings. But the blessing we're going to be speaking to this morning goes well past material blessings. We're going to speak to the spiritual blessings that we've received from God through His Son, Jesus. And it's because of Jesus that we can generously bless those around us. Author John Richardson said this, He says that our generosity needs to be built upon the great truth of what? Of God's generosity towards us. So our generosity begins there. It's not something natural that we're born with. It begins with the the great truth of God's generosity to me and to you. So this morning, I'd like to do three things. I'd like to remind us of the generosity of our God. I'd love to spend some time talking about the blessings we've received from Him. And as a result of those two things, I'd like to challenge us to generously bless those around us. Because remember, just like this widow, it's not what you give. It's not how much you give, it's why you're giving it that really matters to Jesus. So we serve a generous God. The generosity of our God is a theme throughout all of Scripture. And that's, a, that's an easy phrase to say, but before we begin to unpack that, I need to, let's do a little definition work on what generosity really is. So what did I do? I turned to Google, (laughs) right? I Googled to find generosity. It's a really scholarly way to prepare. A generous person is one who shows a readiness to give more of something, maybe money, maybe time, than is strictly necessary or expected. A generous person is someone who is ready to give more than is necessary or expected. That's not just a person. That word can also apply to our God, 
Our God is a generous God. Amen? And God, in His generosity, has tremendously blessed humanity. I would encourage you over the next couple weeks, you could probably turn to any book in this Bible and identify this theme of generosity through God's character. You could fly through the Old Testament seeing how God has just blessed humanity, blessed Israel. And then you hit Jeremiah and he promises us Jesus. He's not going to write on this stone, he's going to write it on my hearts. And begins to talk through the difference this blessing of Jesus actually makes in our lives. So, this could be a six-month sermon series just on God's character and His generosity. So, I'm going to tackle this in five minutes. So, we're going to fly through here, and we're going to look at one aspect of God's generosity, and I think it's where it begins. It's the fact that God made Himself known to us as humans. He made Himself known This is significant for several reasons, because God is omnipotent. He is omniscient and omnipresent, all the omnis. This is who God is. God is all-powerful, all-knowing. He is in all places. He is big. He is a being who can be anywhere, and this big God chose to make Himself known to us as humans. This God who is unlimited and eternal made himself known to a very finite and limited creature. The creator allowed the created to be in relationship with him. That in itself is a little bit beyond what's expected or necessary. That is the epitome of generosity. And so God has made himself known to us through creation. Romans 1 tells us that for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Man, Take your toes and stick them right on the edge of the Grand Canyon. There's evidence that there is a God who's created that. Head to California and stand at the trunk of one of those trees. There's a God who's created something amazing. Step outside in the midst of a thunderstorm and see the lightning and hear the thunder crash. There's something a little bit bigger than us as humans behind the creation of a storm, or even worse, a tsunami. Seeing the wave just ripple and crash, and that's a big wave. Just go to the beach on a good day and see the small waves continually crash into the beach. God has made himself known to us through general revelation, 
through, through creation. He's made known himself to us then in special ways. We see it in Hebrews 1. He sees in the past, the author of Hebrews says, in the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. Yeah, let's just throw those last two clauses in there. Just (laughs) heir of all things and made the universe. But through special revelation, God has made himself known. He's used dreams in the Old Testament. He used a pillar of fire in a cloud. He's used prophets to proclaim his message. And all of that has led to the proclamation of his character in this Bible. It has all pointed to Jesus Christ. So he has made known to us his character through creation as well as through special, specific revelation. And then, there are these small common graces that we often forget about. There are things that are offered to all of mankind without description. We, you know, you and I could be eating manna or grits three meals a day. That'd get old after one meal, right? But God gave us bacon. God gave us different types of meat. God's given us flowers. Walk through Longwood Gardens in April and May and see the beauty of the tulips. You see, these small graces that we get to experience are just another picture of the generosity of our God. Again, He didn't have to give us bacon, but he did. Matt Chandler says this, there is nothing you enjoy that was not given by God, created by God. In fact, all of life is sustained by, gifted by, and held together by the generosity of God, whether you love him or not. So God, in his generosity, has made himself known to us as humans. We have a generous God. But it doesn't stop there. Because he then takes not just the next step, but he goes the next mile and allows us to be a part of his family. Making himself known to us wasn't enough. He then gives us more. And so at this point, we're going to jump from Mark 12 to Ephesians 1. And what I hope to see in Ephesians 1 is that a couple things. A, verse 3, says, We, we, Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, saying, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So he has not only made himself known to us, but he has given us every spiritual blessing. And as we run through the next 10 verses, I want you to notice a couple things. First off, this isn't just God. This is the triune God. Because there are blessings from the Father, blessings from the Son, and blessings from the Spirit. Secondly, 
I want you to notice his motivation for giving, his motivation for blessing. And I want you to see that it is motivated to the praise of his glory. So God has given us, God has blessed us so that he can get the glory. He hasn't done all of this so that we are glorified. He's done all this so that he is. You know, the reality, though, is these blessings, we're going to touch on nine of them, they're not always the blessings that my human heart wants. These blessings are the exact blessings that my human heart needs, but they're not always what I would want. And so I would encourage you to simmer this season in Ephesians 1 because through these blessings, my heart then is realigned back to what I need rather than what I want. And I don't know about you, but my heart needs that. So God has given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms through Jesus, in Jesus. And what we'll begin to see here is verses 3, 4, 5, and 6. We're going to see how the Father has blessed us. Ephesians 1, verse 4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. All right, I'm done. God has given us not only every spiritual blessing in Christ, but specifically, he has chosen us, he has adopted us, and he has accepted us. It's beautiful truth right there, church. Why does he do it? Verse 6, it's to the praise of his glorious grace. In verse 7, we begin to see him lay out the blessings from the Son. Because in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he, I love this, that he has lavished on us. You don't use the word lavish unless you're talking about a generous person. And what has God lavished on us? Grace. He has lavished the riches of his grace upon us. We have a generous God. And he's done this with all wisdom and understanding. Verse 9, he's made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. And in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we, who were the first to put hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. So God, the Father, has blessed us by choosing us, by adopting us, and by accepting us. Through the Son, God 
has redeemed us. He's forgiven us. He has revealed God's will to us, and he's made us an inheritance. Why? To the praise of his glory. You're seeing a repeated phrase here. So we've been blessed by the Father. We've been blessed from the Son. And now he closes this chapter, this little text out, with blessings from the Spirit. Verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are in God's possession to the praise of his glory. You see, God has not only made himself known to us, God has given us every spiritual blessing in Christ. And through that, he has included us into his family. God doesn't have to save anybody But when he does save the sinner, he does so for his glory. But here's the reality. Here's the challenge in this. Even though we have a generous God who's given us every spiritual blessing in Christ, these aren't the blessings that, A, our heart feels like they want. Our hearts want comfort. They want This financial blessing, our hearts might want physical healing at the expense of ignoring these spiritual blessings that God has already given us. You see this, there's a tension here. Just this type of generosity is not natural to us. If you flip ahead just a few pages to Ephesians 2, Paul reminds us in verse 1, he says, As for you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, verse 3, also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. So here's the tension. We have a generous God who's given us all these blessings, but there's this sin nature. And we are by nature objects of wrath, and we as humans reflect what we worship. When I worship comfort, comfort becomes the most important thing to me at the expense of Christ. When I worship um, approval, there are fears, there are false hopes, there are desires for these things that keep us from reflecting a generous God to those around us. See, the problem is we, we can often then forget these blessings and we settle for the lesser gods in our lives. Selfishness and greed are often outputs of this idolatry. If you look in Ephesians 5, Colossians 5, I'm sorry, Colossians 3 or Galatians 5, you see these lists of sinful fruits 
Selfishness and greed are present in all of them. These are the outputs of our idolatry. And when we're living in this selfish and greedy place, we have a tough time being generous. The reality of that is when I am on the throne, I'm often not generous. When I am on the throne and am the one that I worship, generosity doesn't happen because it's about me. And my stuff and my comfort become way more important than blessing any of you. There's the tension. But I would say, if not the, one of the most incredible verses is coming up next. Ephesians 2, verse 4, memorize it. This is truth that I need to recite to myself multiple times a day. I once was dead, verses 1, 2, and 3, but because of His great love for us. God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in his transgressions. For it is by grace that you have been saved. That is the central theme of this scripture, of this book. This book's about God's rich mercy, God's generosity who has extended to us because He loves us, Jesus. And that's a gift. Memorize it, LEFC. Because of this truth, we are now alive. Generosity can now happen when we worship a generous God. Our hearts begin to align with his character, and a a shift happens, an attitude shift begins to happen. When we're remembering what God has done for us and who he is, that changes how I now live. These blessings lead me to worship. And Paul continues in chapter 2, verse 8, he says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. He's a generous God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. And then here's the output. Verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Another version says masterpiece. You are his creation. You are his masterpiece, his handiwork, and the purpose of you being adopted into his family is now good works. Not to earn anything, but to extend this blessing to your oikos, to your sphere of influence, to those around you. Because you've been blessed, 
extend this blessing to the people you rub shoulders with. Because God is a generous God and has included us in his family, we now get to love those around us, not to earn this salvation, but to glorify him. It's to the praise of his glory that we get to be generous. It's not because of a tax break. It's because of Christ. It's because of God. When I remember Ephesians 1 or Ephesians 2, these truths put my attitude in perspective. I'm then now motivated by Christ in his example to love out of the love that I've received. When I remember these truths, I'm now motivated to glorify the God who has made me alive. It's not about me. I'm just a masterpiece extending this blessing to the people in my life. I've been blessed, and now what I get to do is bless. I've been generously blessed. So what do I get to do? Generally, generously bless. You know, this is not modeled often in culture because we live in a consumer-based, individualistic, scorecard-focused culture. Generosity is not a trait we often see. And partly it's because it takes trust to make the sacrifice. If I rest in what has been given, I can give away. Trust is at the core of generosity. And so what does this actually look like? First of all, there are a lot of you in this room. Get creative. Don't feel like you have to fit into one of my small categories because God has gifted you differently than he's gifted gifted me. So get creative. As Tony challenged us last week, continue to make a list of ways you've been blessed. I just gave you some answers to that test. And then identify people who you can go bless. So what does this look like? I would say one of the best ways to generously bless people is through hospitality. Let them into your home. Let them sit at your table, sit on your couches in your living room. It is a beautiful way to generously include and bless people. God has included us in his family. Why don't you go include someone in yours? It takes vulnerability. It takes availability. It's really hard to welcome someone into your home if you're not home. So what that means is there's a cost to hospitality. You've got to do this thing called say no to an activity. You've got to actually be present You've got to plan far enough in advance to invite someone in. It doesn't have to be a nine-course meal, although if it is, I'd love to join you. I'll be your guinea pig. I'm not going to know what fork to use. 
I would say some of my most profound ministry moments, and my wife would amen this as well, some of our, that's the other thing about hospitality, it's not just me in ministry, it's us as a family. Some of our most profound ministry moments have happened because of time spent around a dinner table. Secondly, uh, serve. Matt, that's not rocket science. No, it's not. Service. We have a, a gifted body of believers, and I'm looking at you. You are so gifted in so many different ways. And one way you can generously give out of the blessing you've received is by identifying ways to serve. We've got a, where is it? There it is. We've got booklets in the back. There are ministry opportunities for you. One of the things that Jenny Hoover, she's our director of women's ministry, and I pray for you often is that you would identify how God has gifted you. And then we pray for opportunities to encourage and equip you and then launch you into serving in that context. That could be in the church. We've got opportunities at one of the connection counters in the back. But more importantly, what would it look like to do that in your neighborhood? Do that in your workplace. Do that to Christmas. Do that in your family. What would it look like to generously bless someone from the gift set that God has given you? Get creative. Look for ways to love by serving. So hospitality is a beautiful picture of this inclusion. Service is a great picture of, of giving back. How about mentoring or discipling someone? We have a generation. We've got 15-year-olds up to, say, 35-year-olds here at LEFC who don't really want another program. They want a person to pour into their lives. I, we've got tons of them who want what you can offer them. They don't want good advice. That's not actually really helpful mentoring. They want, they want to be included in your life, and they just want to walk towards Jesus with you. They just want someone to come alongside and grab a cup of coffee with. You can get them their own, right? And just talk truth doesn't have to be a curriculum. Say, hey, I'm in the book of Ephesians. Why don't you just read Ephesians, and that's what we'll talk about next time. Include them in what you're doing and just point them to Jesus. They don't need your wisdom. You got it right here. Point them back to Scripture and then process life with them. Grab two people, start a little group, and begin talking truth. If you want to generously give, disciple somebody. I think it's a biblical command. It's not just about being hospitable or serving or mentoring. Uh, lastly, uh, and this is something that I'm going to almost encourage you all to do, be kind. If that's convicting, you better think about that. Kindness is a great question. Uh, I don't remember who wrote it, but I'll give credit to the internet. Do your mouth and face function 
out of the overflow of a heart touched by God's generous love. Let me say that again. Do your mouth and face function out of an overflow of a heart touched by God's generous love. This is called joy. Do you smile? Not in a fake way, but is there joy that's oozing out of you because of how you've been blessed? Do your words reflect what God has done for you? Your one phrase can speak life into a neighbor in a way nothing else can. Are you intentional and generous in your kindness? You know, church, like the widow, it's about your attitude towards these things. It's not what you give. It's not how much you give. But it's why you're giving that matters. It's why you're giving that honors the giver. What are you trusting in these days, LAFC? Is generosity something that you can grow in? I would imagine it is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for the opportunity to open God's word with these friends, to talk truth, and to just think about you and your goodness to us. Father, I thank you for these men and women for these men and women, for the, the opportunity to just spend some time chopping up your word together. Father, I thank you for the blessings of your goodness and grace. Thank you for sending Jesus, who has laid down his life for us. Father, thank you for the gift of your spirit, who has strengthened and empowered and given us gifts so that we might be able to bless those around us. Father, I pray that as we leave this morning, this morning, dial in our hearts to remember these truths, these blessings. Father, there, my heart so wants to wander, is prone to wander. Lord, I, I just pray that it would be your truth that anchors it and brings me back to worship. Father, we desire for you to be glorified in the way we bless, in the way we generously live. I just pray that you would check our hearts and continue to do that through us. Lord, we love you. Help us to stand as we head into this next week firmly upon the love of Christ. Second uh, Peter 1 says this, his divine, his divine power has given us, given, he's generously given through his divine power everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. It's through these that he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. As I, I pray that as we leave, remembering how we've been blessed, we would then continue to participate in what God is doing in us, 
through us and around us. We love you guys. LAFC, have a great day.